One year ago this week, the basketball world lost an icon. And there's a lot that can be said about stuff that happened off the court, stuff that happened in a locker room. But tonight, this week, we honor his legacy by looking at the man that really could have been a Hall of Famer twice, who the first half of the year in the back, or first half of his career in the back half of his career were the same man, yet two different stories. And in the, in the spirit of competition, as he loved to compete, tonight we're going to have the ultimate game of one-on-one. It's number eight versus number 24, because tonight we're talking all about Kobe on Convince. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, episode 41 of Convince Me. I'm Andy Rutherford, joined as always by Mr. Brian Bennett, Mr. Casey Elrod. Gentlemen, how's it going? That was a solid opening, sir, Rutt, but you probably missed that shot when you just shot it. So that was a brick. Solid brick. I, too, was wondering where the shot went. So well, I'm assuming it the great thing is about this angle where you just see my face in this little square, you don't know what's behind this computer. And what's behind this computer is my living room. And I wasn't throwing in anything specifically. So technically I aimed at the living room and I hit the living room. So there you go. And I've got to remember to go pick that piece of paper up before my dog finds it when he gets up. But anyway, welcome to another episode of Convince Me. Like I said, episode 41. Uh, and what a special show we've got lined up for you guys this week. But before we get into that, uh, let's let's knock all the other stuff out of the way and let's go ahead and get to our weekly shill uh, before we get really into the meat of the matter. Make sure you're following us on all of our socials. Uh, probably our most active social Facebook. You can find us there, facebook.com slash convince me show every Tuesday night over there. Uh, we have a preview of every episode. You may be watching this on Facebook on Tuesday night, um, facebook.com slash convince me show. Um, probably our most active site, but don't just stop there. Go on over to Twitter. Twitter at convince me show. Occasionally we let you guys pick the topics. Uh, when we do that, those polls will be over on Twitter. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram. We're also at convince me show over there. There's nothing overly special about the Instagram account, but if you're going to follow the others, you might as well follow that one. And then every single week, every episode in its entirety in video format, can be found over on our YouTube page, tinyurl.com slash convince me show. And of course the show, we are a podcast wherever you find your favorite podcast every week. We are dropping there every Wednesday morning. Uh, go look for us, go find us. If we're not where you listen to your favorite podcast, let us know. We'll do what we can to get there. So guys, um, as I said in the open of this show, 
one year ago this week. If you were watching this on the Facebook preview on Tuesday, it is one year ago today. Um, if you're watching, if you're listening to the podcast, watching on YouTube, uh, it's one year ago from yesterday. But the world was shocked uh, to learn of the untimely death of one Kobe Bean Bryant. Obviously, uh, a basketball superstar, an icon, uh, worldwide fame, and really a guy that played a 20-year career. Ten of those years, he donned the number eight. Ten of those years, he donned the number 24. Uh, and really, when you break it down, if they were two separate players, both of them are very likely Hall of Famers. Uh, but this week, in the spirit of Kobe Bryant, uh, in tribute to Kobe Bryant, we are going to break it down to see which one actually was better. Kobe number eight or Kobe 24? Bennett, you're mediating this show. Uh, you got any thoughts before we get into it? Let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Simple enough. Well, Bennett, I, I kind of actually, I'll spring this in a minute. If you had something planned to see the order, go ahead and proceed. Do what? Did you have anything planned to determine who goes first, who goes second? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. I do. You know, um, I totally was uh, dazed off over there. Um, you know, I was trying to think about, you know, some of the things that summed up Kobe and his career and the things I came up with was his, his longevity playing 20 years with one team with the great, uh, LA Lakers. Um, number two, and this is a huge one. I think you've talked about this a little bit already was his competitiveness. And number three was his scoring prowess. So tonight, the question, the coin toss question is going to be about his scoring. Kobe scored a lot of points, but this is not about how many points he scored, this or that. It's a little bit different. In his career, Kobe scored 40 or more points 122 times. Also in his career, he scored 50 or more 25 times. And tonight's question is this. How many times in his career did he score 60 or more points? In his career, 60 or more points. To give you a little bit of a hint as you're coming up with your answer, it's the second most ever by anybody in the NBA, number one being Will Chamberlain. I'm in for the win. All right, I should say it'll be whoever – it's closest without going over. If you go both go over, I'll go with whoever's closest. Okay. Okay. All right, let's see. Eight. Eight. Fourteen. You both went over. Elrod barely went over. He scored 60 or more points six times. So, Mr. Elrod – with the win already. I know. We're going to keep that as a trend tonight, I believe. Before I'm going to go first. Start, I, I was going to say before you start, two things. Number one, I was at one of those 60-point games, uh, sitting front row courtside in Memphis playing the Grizzlies uh, in that 06 uh, 07 season where uh, it was Kobe and that was it. Um, and then <laughs> – 
Secondly, all right, if you want to go first, I'll let you go first. But I thought what we might do tonight, and we can when we get into subtopics, if you want to go first in opening statements, that's fine. But since the eight came before the 24, if you want to do it that way, yeah, yeah. But it's up to you. I will let you have the floor. How about that? Okay. I mean, you know, I don't mind going last at all, but I just. Yeah, that makes sense. I just don't like admitting that you were right about anything. So, gotcha. uh, hurts, but you have the floor. Kobe Bean Bryant came into the NBA straight out of high school and quickly took it by storm as just this athletic freak of a human being, um, in all honesty. The things he did in that, really in his 20-year career, but what he did in the last 10 was well, good, worthy of praise. But that was the older Kobe. Tonight I'm going to show you why number eight, the athletic freak that he was, was just absolutely unstoppable this is the beginning of the mamba mentality and this is really towards the end of his career he grew up a little bit there was some zen there was some time to turn it off but when he when that number eight kobe was on the court it was all intensity it was all competitive it was all the time and tonight i'm going to show you that regardless of who his teammates were of the team around him uh regardless of how great he was on the back half of his career we would not think of Kobe Bryant the way we think of Kobe Bryant if not for those days and number when he wore the number eight um like I said there were off the court struggles there were struggles in the locker room with members of his teammates but a lot of that had to do with he was all intensity all the time. And while that may not have bode well for him, and if we're talking about his personal life, sure, 24 may have been better. But on the court, Kobe Bryant, number eight on the court, especially that second quarter of his career, that back half of the number eight, was one of the most athletic, gifted basketball players to ever step on a court. 24 was fantastic, but 24 built off what eight was. Um, 24 was more of mental greatness, and that's well and good. But the reason that eight was better, and the reason I'll show you eight was better, was just because physically, skill-wise, he was a killer. The mama mentality was born and a little bit unharnessed which made it great as number eight. Yeah, that rhyme too. Did you mean for that? He's a poet and didn't even know it. No. Um, <clears throat> yeah, when he first came into the league, even Kobe himself said that, you know, coming up being, what, um, 18 years old, I guess, 17, 18 years old, he, he always said he felt like that he needed to prove himself and that this is where he belongs. So, he always had that chip on his shoulder, which is – that's a very deadly thing when you've got this guy 
with all the talent in the world, and especially has a chip on his shoulder. It was something to watch. Um, Elrod, do you agree with Rutt that Kobe Bryant, number eight, was the best? Kobe Bryant, number eight, is undoubtedly one of the most fierce competitors ever. But let's look at 24. Let's look at the second half of Kobe Bryant. You know, uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald, famous American <coughs> author, once said that there's no second acts in Americans' lives. There's no second acts. Well, I think it, when we look at what's happened in athletics over the last couple of years of Tiger Woods and what he's done with his life, it's a, remarkable how he's had a second rebirth uh, from his prior transgressions and how he's been able to get back on top. But before that – in sports, it was the resurgence of Kobe Bryant and what he did after that scandal with it in Colorado, after everything happened with Shaq. When you look at when growing up, Bennett, I was always nine, ten years old. You see the Sprout commercials. You see Kobe Bryant in that eight jersey, and that's how people our age may view Kobe Bryant. They may have an image in their head. But when you look at the statistics and you look at what he had uh, in terms of a team later on in his career, the stats, he was a more efficient player. He was a much more rounded player later on in his career. He didn't have Shaquille O'Neal in that second run. It was him in a cast of characters. You see Kobe Bryant come out of a scandal he had a killer instinct before, but he'll even tell you he probably had more of a killer instinct the second time around because he had something to prove. He wanted to prove the critics wrong, that he could do it alone, that he didn't need to ride the coattails of Shaquille O'Neal for another championship. The 24 Kobe Bryant is, embodies the mama mentality even more than eight. And we'll get into that more tonight, but – I was always of the belief that nobody, that Kobe, he's eight. He's number eight. He, he's yellow jersey number eight was Sprite, but not so fast, my friend. And we'll see why I've come to that conclusion here tonight. All right. I forgot all about the Sprite commercial. Wow. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. All right. Uh, Guys and gals, uh, right here's where we're going to cut off for the Facebook uh, viewers. We're about to get into some good stuff. I, doing my research for this show was a lot of fun. I'm looking really forward to getting into some of these topics um, and really breaking down which one was better. I'm sure Elrod would echo the same. I'm sure Bennett's looking forward to it too. And if you're with us on Facebook, I hope you're looking forward to it so much that tomorrow you're going to go to where you listen to podcasts or you're going to go to YouTube and you're going to check out the whole show because uh, I promise this is going to be a good one. Uh, if you are with us right now on YouTube or the podcast, we will be right back. We are back. Welcome back, everybody. Bennett, where are we going first? All right. First, I figured before we talk about Kobe the player, we need to talk a little bit more about the number itself, how he got this number. Where did eight come from? So, right, start us off. How did Kobe wind up with the number eight on his jersey? Well, a little bit about 
Kobe. Uh, Kobe's dad played in the NBA, uh, short career in the NBA. And when Kobe was a kid, they moved to Italy because his dad wanted to continue playing professional basketball. So Kobe, up until he was 13, lived in Italy. Matter of fact, spoke fluent uh, Italian. Um, so they were there till he was 13. But while he was over there, he started to play. He started to really pay attention to basketball, started to fall in love with basketball. Um, he came to the U.S. every summer when school was out and played in a summer basketball league. His grandfather used to mail him VHS tapes of the NBA for him to study while he was in Italy. Uh, 13, they moved back to the States, to the Philadelphia area. Uh, when he gets to high school, he goes to Lower Marion High School and is an absolute stud uh, while he's there. Uh, he was the James Naismith Player of the Year. He was the Gatorade Player of the Year. He was a McDonald's All-American. He's one of the greatest high school basketball players to ever play. Um, he got invited to an Adidas camp, an Adidas and in that Adidas camp, his number was number 143. So he had offers from a lot of colleges. and But the year before, Kevin Garnett went straight from high school to the pros in 1995. And when Kevin Garnett did that, Kobe's mindset changed. And he never visited a college. After that, he had it in his head. He was going straight to the pros. Now, after taking R&B star Brandy to the prom his senior year, he decided to make that jump to the pros. He ends up getting drafted by the Hornets, who eventually traded to the Lakers. And there's uh, – I'm going to go a little over because there's a side story I want to throw in here. Lakers traded Vladi Divac to the Hornets for that pick. It was decided the day before the draft, Lakers were going to tell the Hornets who were to, who they were to pick, and they were going to trade for Vladi Divac. Um, Hornets got screwed on that deal. But anyway, that almost didn't happen because the Hornets drafted Kobe and Vladi Divac said he was going to retire rather than play for the Hornets. And the trade almost didn't happen. Kobe almost stayed a Hornet, and my how history might have changed. But the trade does go through. He goes to the Lakers. Remember that camp number I said he had? He was number 143. He added those three numbers together, and he became number eight for the L.A. Lakers. Have you went back and looked at the the draft class from 96? It is absolutely loaded. It is loaded. It's crazy. Um, you know, another little fun side fact that I had read on the internet. I don't know how true it is or not. Maybe somebody that knows a little bit more than me, but he was asked, you know, had you went to college, who would you have played for? And he said that he probably would have went to Duke. Oh, of course he would. Just a fun little fact that I came across. Okay, moving forward. Okay, so we got Kobe. The number eight, the very famous number eight, Elrod. Mm-hmm. Why, why the change? Why change from eight, the iconic eight, to twenty-four? Well, he never really gave a clear-cut 
reason why, but you can deduct pretty much why. It, it, you have to understand why he chose 24 to begin with. And that was the first number he had back in high school at Lower Marion, which was 24. He later became 33 in high school. The reason why I guess you can say that he changed from 8 to 24 was he went through a lot in a three-year span. You had the scandal in Colorado. You had the blow-up with Shaq. You, him and his wife were on the rocks uh, from the scandal. They had their own divorce. And he, was, he lost his joy for basketball. And last year, before his death, um, he was an Oscar winning – he had a short film near basketball. And he reflected about – he wanted to get back to enjoying playing basketball during the stretch. He wanted to get back to his roots. So he was more of a symbolic change. He wanted to go back to his first love when, when he was – a, uh, when he was a first-year student at Lower Marion, he was 24. So in his mind, he wanted to go back to that spot where he enjoyed basketball, where basketball wasn't a chore or it wasn't a drag on his life. So a lot of people believe that Kobe went back to 24 just so he could have some solace. So this is this is what I really love with my life. I love basketball. And that was really the essence of that documentary. It's a love story about basketball. Now, I was never a big Kobe fan. I always thought, along with some other folks, that he chose 24 because that was one more than Michael Jordan. So he's trying to upstage him even right here. But I, I, I tend to believe Kobe right here. He went through a one of the roughest stretches that any athlete has ever went through in that three-year span. Uh, he had about retired. Um, he lost complete interest in the game. Him changing 24 was more symbolic of what, with what was going on in his own life. So that was the change. He wanted to go back to the first number he had in high school, which was 24. Yeah. Uh, when I heard that he was no longer number eight and he was going to be 24, that was the first thing I thought was, oh, he's going to upstage Jordan. All the comparisons to Jordan, he's going to make the 24. Yeah. But, you know, seeing the broader picture of everything he goes through, it makes total sense why he wanted, you know, just a fresh scenery, if you will. And it, it yeah. definitely uh, definitely worked out for him, I believe. Okay, um, moving on here. Um, you know, we'll talk about Kobe. You know, he had the championships, the all-star games, the the finals MVPs, all the points, but even Kobe himself could not do all of this by himself. It's still somewhat NBA, somewhat of a team sport, I guess, more so back then. So why don't we talk about some of his teammates? And Rudd, we'll start with you. Let's hear about some of the teammates that Kobe had um, earlier in his career. Well, let's – I'll get to the elephant in the room last that Elrod's already alluded to, and I'm sure Elrod's going to hammer me on, and I'll get yeah. to that. Um, but there's really – because there's two points I want to drive home, but let, let's get rid of the other stuff first. Second of all, going back to the previous point, whether his intentions were pure or not, you know changing in the middle of your career is great for jersey sales because everybody that's got an eight has got to go buy a 24 now. But that's – I digress. Um 
Kobe played with some great guys, especially in those three peat years. Rick Fox, fantastic player. Uh, didn't do a whole lot elsewhere, but he he was a solid player. You got Big Shot Bob, Robert Ory. Uh, in my opinion, one of the most underrated players to ever play the game. Uh, Robert Ory was a man. And, uh, I mean, it's crazy when you're playing on a team with guys like that. Who's taking the shot at the end? Robert Ory's probably taking the shot. And, yes, there was talent in front of him. His second year in the league, Kobe was voted an all, a starter in the All-Star game, even though he wasn't a starter on the Lakers, uh, which is a crazy stat in and of itself. But here's the two points I want to drive home. That was those those three-peat years and a couple years before it. Look at those last few years of number eight. Here is the starting lineups for the your Los Angeles Lakers in those years. Kobe Bryant. Lamar Odom, Smush Parker, and two of the three of Brian Cook, Chris Mim, and Kwame Brown. <laughs> and with that starting lineup was arguably one of, if not the, of Kobe's best year. Now let's go to the elephant in the room. He played with Shaq. Shaq was the best player on that team. He three-peated with Shaq. You know what he did? And Shaq was a great player. You're not going to hear me say anything bad about Shaq. But to end this point, here's a list of names I've got for you, Bennett. Penny Hardaway, Steve Nash, LeBron James, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen. All guys to play with Shaq and not win a championship, and Kobe won three with him. Yeah, that one still hurts about him and Penny. That one, that one hurts. Well, he ran into someone called Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Uh, <laughs> that was that, that that baseball guy. That baseball guy. Yeah. Wow. So how the fortunes would have changed with that? You know, right? I'm a little bit disappointed that you left out probably the biggest name right up there with uh, Kobe and Shaq. Nick Van Axel. Nah. Oh, Nick the Quick Van Axel. Ah, shame on me. All right, uh, all right. Um, this might be tough for you because I don't think that Kobe had any teammates um, <laughs> in his last ten years. If you come up with any, let's hear if you have any of the teammates that Kobe had later on in his career. Yeah, so Rhett kind of touched on a, a few of the uh, first ones I was going to talk about, Lamar Odom. But let's not forget the great Luke Walton. Wow. Luke Walton, Adam Morrison, the the, the mullet himself, uh, Derek Fisher, Jordan Farmer, Andrew Bynum. You talk about somebody who had all the talent in the world and kind of flamed out. Uh, letter, Trevor Ariza. Uh, Pal Gasol. Pal Gasol kind of claimed that sh he's not Shaquille O'Neal, okay? But he was—he kind of became that that uh, that center that the triangle offense needed. It, Kobe says that the most complete team he was ever on in terms of talent was the was the 2012-13 uh, championship team. You have Steve Nash, Steve Blake, Kobe Bryant. Jody Meeks, Meta World Peace, Ron Artest. You had uh, who else? You? you had Dwight Howard. Uh, just he came from the Magic. He uh, 
was not the Dwight Howard of the Magic, but he still had a lot left in the tank. He was not the current Dwight Howard by any means. Uh, Jordan Hill. But these players, his supporting cast that he had with the early Laker teams were much better top to bottom, if you look at it, than, than anything he had in the later part of his career. I mean, Shaquille O'Neal, he had Devin George, Rick Fox. Later on, I mean – he, he had Horace Grant. He had Robert Horry. Later on, he had a uh, flamed out Antoine Jameson, Earl Clark. These are not Hall of Famers, or these are not um, all-stars by any stretch of the imagination. And not quite the same firepower no. that uh, some, of the, some of the names that Rutt drops. Um, one quick point I'm going to make, though, is – the reason why you have kids, I think, is so you can mess with them. And when mine get a little bit older, I'm going to show them clips of Ron Artest running up into the crowd. And I'm going to show them clips of him on a Big Brother as Meta and say, this is the same guy. <laughs> the malice in the palace. <laughs> mm. All right. So. All right. Uh, Kobe. You know, this is this part right here is going to be this is really fascinating to me. Um, of course, you know, we talked you talked a little bit right about, you know, he played 20 years, 10 and a number eight jersey, 10 and a number 24 jersey. And if you really look, a lot of the stats are super, super close by comparison. So <laughs> what I want you to do is tell me what was his uh best season or seasons and the number eight jersey what kind of set him apart during that run from uh his uh later in his career in, in number 24 jersey he had several great seasons in the number eight he won three championships in the number eight but his best season wearing that number in the best season of his career when you look at it you remember that lineup i said a minute ago with smush parker and Kwame Brown, he had nothing around him in the 05-06 season. And that's when Kobe had to take – put the whole team on his back, Marshawn Lynch style, um, and had the best season of his career with nothing absolutely around him. And that 05-06 season – there were a couple of really key games that will go down to some of the best of his career. And I'll talk about those in our next point. Uh, but that season, he averaged 35.4 points per game. He was one of only five players in NBA history to score 2,800 points in a single season. Uh, going into that season, he had 30, 40 point games that season alone. He had 27. Uh, he almost doubled his career 40-point games in that season. Um, he had two months of that season where he averaged over 40 points a game, something that's only been done by him and something that's been done by him and Wilt Chamberlain. Pretty exclusive company there. Uh, something Wilt didn't do, because Kobe's the only player in history to do, uh, he did that year. He made 900 field goals, 153 pointers, 600 free throws, and scored 2,500 points. 
2,500 points. He's the only player in NBA history to do so. Number eight is looked at as the athletic freak that nobody could touch. Number 24 is looked at as the genius Mambo Wiley veteran. This last year wearing the number eight is really the perfect combination of those two versions of Kobe, and that's why he had his best year in the 05-06 season. Hmm. All right. Um, Elrod, same question, but why him and his uh, number 24 jersey you know, what season or seasons really stood out to you in comparison to um, him at number eight? Yeah, the season that stuck out to me and a season uh, that was kind of unexpected. You had the Lakers uh, that just came off a heartbreaking series to Celtics in 2007, 2008. Uh, they, they had the same core that came back. They don't have Dwight Howard yet. That's that's the, the 12 championship. But they do have Pau Gasol in 2008. That was the missing piece that they brought in. The Lakers finished 65 and 17 that season, and they uh, defeated Dwight Howard and his Orlando Magic for one in the finals. But if you look at, he was probably this is with his most efficient season he ever had as a Laker. He averaged nearly 27 points per game over five rebounds a game, nearly five assists. He shot nearly 47% from the field. This was – a lot of people believe that this is truly his most efficient season. He finally had a center again. He had won a couple years. It was He was the only show in town. He, he was he didn't have someone that could be the enforcer in the middle. The triangle offense flourished in 2008-2009. They won the championship. They later win uh, another championship. They got their revenge against the Celtics the following season. But you have to remember, Shaq won his championship with D. Wade um, two seasons before this. Shaq got his fourth championship. And this lit a fire underneath Kobe to get to get even with Shaq to prove that he can win a, uh, a championship without Shaq. And he did. This was the season that he broke through and got that championship. And even the odds with Shaq. Uh, he didn't have – he had Pau Gasol, but outside of that, it was the same team that he had for a couple of seasons. He had Lamar Odom. He had Shannon Brown. It, this was not a superstar-laden team. This is not three superstars like Harden, Durant, and Irvin out there. This is this is Phil Jackson and that triangle offense at true perfection right here. All right. One thing, and this is kind of what I really want to get into, um, is some of the key games that he had. Let me run through this real quick. 707 games wearing the number eight jersey. 638 wearing the number 24 jersey. That's over 1,345 over a 20-year career. So surely out of 1,300-something games, Mr. Kobe Bryant had some huge ones. So – Right. Um, tell me, what are some of those key games in that number eight jersey? Sure. Uh, there are several. I have broken this down to six. Uh, and obviously, these are, are the tip top of his great games. There were many great games uh, in those 
years, but I think probably the one he's most remembered for in his entire 20-year career um, is January 22nd, 2006, against the Toronto Raptors when Kobe put up 81 points uh, against the Raptors, the second most in history in a game. Of course, Wilt had that mysterious, magical game of 100. But in the modern era, uh, the highest game ever, uh, Kobe with 81 against the Raptors. He scored 55 points in the second half uh, of that game. In that year, that happened in that 05-06 season I talked about earlier. In that season, teams failed to score 81 points uh, 200 and something times that year. I think it was 206 times that year. Teams did not score 81 points in a game. Uh, Kobe dropped 81 against the Raptors. Uh, The second game came a month earlier. Um, December 20th of 2005, Kobe put up 62 against the Mavericks and he didn't play a single second of the fourth quarter. Uh, He put up 62 points in three quarters. As a matter of fact, at the end of the third quarter of that game, the score was Kobe Bryant 62, Dallas Mavericks 61. Um, And like I said, he never touched the floor in the fourth quarter of that game. Uh, Going back a few years before that, March 28, 2003, he scored 55 points, which, okay, that's pretty good. Why is that a key game? Uh, that's also a notable game because that was Mike, Michael Jordan's last trip to the Staples Center. Um, it's hard to put up 55 points. It's especially hard uh, when you're showing up Michael Jordan when you're doing it. Even though it was Michael Jordan in a Wizards uniform and that's not the same level, it's still Michael Jordan. Um January 7th, 2003, a couple months before that, Kobe set the record for most three-pointers in the game with 12 uh, against the Seattle Sonics. Now, that record has been shot since due to the likes of Steph Curry, who's broke it several times. Uh, But at the time, it was the record for most three-pointers in the game. Uh, Western Conference Semifinals 2001, uh, game four against the Kings, Lakers up 3-0. Kobe sent them home, scoring 48 to clinch that game and clinch the sweep. He also grabbed 16 boards uh, in that game, one of his best playoff performances. Uh, and then in the year 2000, uh, in December against the Rockets, he scored 45 points. But the crazy thing is he missed six shots the entire game. He was 20 of 26 from the floor. Uh, and scored 45 points. You know, um, the one thing that's most impressive, actually two things. Number one is the fact that Kobe can score 81 points, and you just say, hmm, that's just Kobe. You know, that's incredible. Number two, him scoring 81 points to me is, I think that's more impressive than Wilt Chamberlain's 100 because – the talent pool in Kobe's era was a lot tougher than what Wilt Chamberlain was up against when he scored a hundred. So to me, I put that 81 points right up there with Wilt's 100. Even I think he gets, he gets a raw deal on that saying, Oh, he's not team away from Wilt. completely different times. Way more impressive. The 81. Mm-hmm. Um, Elrod, what about um, Kobe's 
key games in the 24 jersey? Yeah, I've got three of them. Uh, first of all, his 65-point game against the Portland Trail Blazers in, in 07, um, the year before was the 81-point game. This one, uh, they won the game. He shot 23 of 39, including 11 of 12 from the free throw line, made eight three-pointers. And this game uh, was famous because the Portland Trailblazers coach, Nate McMillan, after the game said that this was the closest Michael Jordan performance basically he's ever seen in terms of how efficient he was, in terms of them putting people on this uh, on him and being unable to stop him at any level. They couldn't stop him in the corner. They couldn't stop him in the lane. They couldn't stop him behind the arc. They couldn't stop him anywhere. So that's 65 65- Point performance nearly a year after he had the 81 point performance the next game in 2009 the biggest stage in basketball is madison square garden that's where all the greats want to shine michael jordan had his 55 point performance at the garden in 95 he does not hold the record though for most points in the garden that belongs to kobe bryant 61 points. It's one of the it's the greatest performance in the history of Madison Square Garden. Uh, he 19 of 31 uh, shooting, uh, 34 points in the first half alone. Uh, so that that in and of itself is pretty solid that he has that record. But probably the greatest feat that he accomplished in the 24 jersey was his very last game against the Utah Jazz on April 13th, 16, 60 points in his final farewell game. Kobe Bryant, who had the Achilles injury uh, the previous year, comes back 60 points in his last game. Is there any, is there any stat that's more legendary than that? Then in the twilight of his career, the very last game, going out on top, Throwing 60 on the Utah Jazz. Do you know how embarrassing this had to be for the Jazz and their players? Have Kobe Bryant halfway in a nursing home out here dropping 60 on those fools? Well, he did. And that capped that capped just an amazing career that he had. You know, one interesting thing about um Kobe's last game, you know, and you talked about where he scored 60. These these players, and it doesn't have to be just basketball. It could be um, football, baseball, whatever. These players that are larger than life always seem to put that exclamation point as they're going out. I can. I was listening to a podcast just um, just this morning about a a gentleman who pitched against Ted Williams in his last game, and Ted Williams, you know huge larger than life character in baseball his very last game I think his last at bat he hits a home run so you know these all-time greats they always find a way to put that little extra exclamation park at on at exclamation point rather at the end of their career so that I think that definitely says a lot about Kobe and it's kind of a great way to cap off a career um moving ahead here um, as we're getting ready to wrap this up here, um, Rut, tell me a little bit about the legacy of Kobe Bryant and that uh, number eight jersey. Well, it's unfortunate that whether it's fair or not, 
uh, a lot of the legacy of that part of Kobe's career to a lot of people is going to fall uh, off the court. Uh, it's going to fall in the locker room with the rivalry he had with Shaq and his teammates. It's going to fall uh, with problems he had in his personal life, mistakes he made. Uh, a lot of people are going to go to that. But really, when we look at at two when we look at those first 10 years, there's really two things that I think are going to be the legacy of Kobe when we're talking purely uh, from an on-court standpoint. One kind of good, one negative, even though it's not his fault. The good of that legacy is just he was the phenom. He came just a kid going straight from high school to the NBA. Uh, who in his second season, like I mentioned earlier, was voted a starter on the all-star team, although he wasn't even a starter on his own team uh, at the time. He took the league by storm. And we've seen the guys that come in and they can have long careers, they can have good careers, but they come out and at very beginning, there's all the hype around them. They live up to the hype for a year or two. They kind of fall off. I think of Vince Carter. When Vince Carter first came in the league, it's holy crap, this is the next Michael Jordan. Vince Carter was great for a couple years. Vince Carter played until last year, but for the last 15, he's not been on that hype level, on that skill level everybody thought he would be. Penny Hardaway was a guy that everybody thought was going to be the next big thing, and he had some great years, but in the longevity, he didn't have it. Kobe came in as the phenom and stayed the phenom, if not even getting better. Um, he athletically was one of the best ever step on the court and he really took the league by storm. And the thing that's bad that is not his fault and is unfair to him that was kind of made up for on the back end, but that first 10 years, kind of his legacy is he was overlooked. He was part, he was a critical part without him. They don't get a three Pete and they get a three Pete and everybody credits Shaq. It's Shaq's team. Kobe's a great player, but a lot of people credited Shaq, and they said Kobe couldn't do it without Shaq. Now, in the 24, he had a chance to do that, but like I said earlier, I don't think Shaq could have done it without Kobe. Penny Hardaway, Steve Nash, LeBron, those guys played with Shaq and didn't win. Kobe did it three times, and then that 05-06 season, those ungodly numbers he put up, Kobe didn't win MVP that year. Steve Nash did. And at the time, I didn't like Kobe. I was a Celtics fan. I thought, yeah, give it to Steve Nash. But when we look at it from an unbiased perspective, looking back, Kobe absolutely got robbed. That team made the playoff with Smush Parker and Brian Mim in the starting lineup. Kobe got robbed. The legacy of number eight is he was an absolute phenom, but he's too often got overlooked. I think sometimes in the 24, he got a little too much credit at times, but I think that evens out overall. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think that, you know, all the accolades and the accomplishments that he had, especially those first 10 years, um, that, yeah, he did kind of get overlooked, you know, that it was, it was Shaq's team and, Kobe is the right-hand man from Shaq. You know, it's it's fair to say that, you know, Kobe um, got disrespected a lot there. 
those first few years in the league, which is absurd to think. It's crazy. Um, Elrod, mm-hmm. legacy of Kobe in the 24 jersey. This stat shocked me. When I saw – I did not know this. When I saw that uh, Kobe Bryant only had one MVP in his entire career, that shocked me. Honestly, I thought he had three or four. But he had that one MVP in the 24 jersey. He did not have any finals MVPs in the eight jersey. He had two in the 24. He won the two titles. He was a 10-time All-Star. Every year he was an All-Star. 17-time player of the week, 10-time. Uh, we, we talk about Kobe the scorer a lot, but a lot of people – do not give enough credit to how good of a defensive player Kobe Bryant was. He may be a top 15 defensive player of all time. We A lot of people just focus on Kobe the scorer. He had some of his best defensive years in the 24 jersey. I get the argument that, you know, Kobe didn't get enough credit in the Shaq years. He didn't get enough credit. He, he should have got more credit. And, and maybe that's true. Maybe, maybe that is true. Maybe he deserved more credit for winning those uh, three championships. But when you look at the early years of the 24, he basically had the scraps plus Pal Gasol that he had when he was the only show in town. It was one player. So I don't think he gets enough credit for the 24 years. <laughs> if, if you want to be, if you want to get down right down to it, I just don't think he gets enough credit for the 24 years he had it was even in terms of years but he he played nearly 70 less games uh in the 24 jersey and he had more assist the numbers are almost identical if you look at free throw percentage if you look at minutes if you look at points there is a 100 point difference between him and the eight and him and the 24 and there is a, about 200 uh, difference in rebounds. I don't think he gets enough credit for those early championships he had in the 24 jersey. And I, I do agree with Ron. He didn't get enough credit in the eight. But when you look at the change man, if you look at the this, this stuff he did for charity, if you look at the, the two championships he won without Shaq, I think him in the 24 – when everything is considered, it's 24 by nose. Mm. Mm, this is tough. Um, before we get into closing arguments, I've got a little question for both of y'all. Same question. Um, it's going to. It's not. A, it's not a difficult question. This. I'm throwing y'all. A, I'm throwing y'all alley oop here. Um, Rut, start with you. Favorite Kobe Bryant memory? Personal? My favorite personal memory of Kobe? Yep, doesn't matter. It could be a game. It could be um, maybe maybe something that you saw, maybe something you experienced. It doesn't have to necessarily be a stat or a point line. It could be anything. Anything that – he did that affected your life. Well, more personal to me would be, like I said, um, 
in the 2006-2007 season, wearing the 24, the first year wearing 24, I was dating a girl that was a massive Lakers fan. So as any good boyfriend does, I bought her a gift that I could also enjoy. Uh, and I bought her two front row courtside seats, Grizzlies versus Lakers. Um we went to that game, and like I said, Kobe dropped 60 in that game. One of his 60-point games, I was there for. And it was – you see him – of course, this was coming after that 05-06 season. He had already had a couple 60-point games that 06-07 season. You're kind of expecting it at that point because it's like, okay, Kobe's going to drop 60 because the team around him sucks. But to watch it in motion, to be there in person to see him do it, uh, was one of the craziest things I could even imagine. But if you're looking, if you take that personal aspect out of it, because I was there, I remember the 81 point game like it was yesterday, or the 80 point game like it was yesterday, 81 point game like it was yesterday. But to me, the one that stuck out the most was that Mavericks game where he scored 62 in three quarters. Uh, Because I remember texting a friend of the show, uh, shout out, Maul. I remember specifically texting him after that game and was like, why not just let him play the fourth quarter and see what he could do? Because it's like, I guess, you know, the great thing about, when you're trying to entertain people is leave them wanting more. He's got 62 and three quarters. Let him play the daggum fourth quarter. I don't care how much you're up. Uh, but to do that in three quarters and then they pull him and it's like, well, could he have got 85, 90? Would he have just shot it every time he touched it? Would he have got to wilt if he just absolutely went insane in that fourth quarter? Uh, I think that's the one that sticks out to me the most. Uh, and then obviously the one Elrod pointed out the last game, um, the one everybody watched uh, that was – it was a chill up the spine type of moment uh, to know that was Kobe's last game and to see him go Mamba one more time. Yeah. Um, the memory, I gave you four. Sorry. He did jack oh, no, up good. shots in that game. I kind of left that point out. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, you know, I never – I never got to see – Kobe play live, you know, you, you see the uh, the replays on ESPN or you might see the highlights of him scoring, but I'm sure it's just not the same. That That's one regret. I never got to see Kobe and his excellence, you know, live. You know, the closest I've ever been is, you know, when I uh, covered sports or something um, a few years back, you know, and you see a team, you know, get hot and score a lot of points, but there's no way to compare, you know, that to one of the greatest to ever play um, by any means. Um, Elroy, what about you? What's your favorite Kobe memory? I was a Jordan guy, along with millions of other seven- and eight-year-olds, <laughs> nine- and ten-year-olds. I remember the first time that Kobe played MJ. I think it was in the United Center. I think it was their <laughs> – it might have been their last – it might have been the second three-peat the last year. It might have been the year before. But that him, see, him guarding Michael Jordan 
Jordan did not want to give up that mantle of being the alpha dog, being the best. Here comes here comes Kobe Bryant. And Kobe Bryant gave him everything he wanted. And just seeing that, and I think they had four or five matchups uh, when he was a bull. I don't really count the Wizards. <laughs> that was a shell of – that was still a good player, but that was not MJ uh, as we know him with the Bulls. But seeing them – seeing young Kobe Bryant, trying to be the alpha dog and seeing Michael Jordan just refusing to let go of that mantle, that that was really cool. And that, that, that's one of the memories I have of Kobe. That's a, that's a really good one to bring up. You know, you think about, you know, a, a, a kid, you know, basically a kid against the greatest basketball player of all time. You would think there would be some intimidation factor in there. You, if it was me, I'd be scared to death. I'd say I was, I'm sick that game. I'm not, I'm not matching up against the greatest, but he went toe to toe with him, didn't back down, saying, you know, hey, I'm I'm just as good, if not better, than you are. That's that's Kobe right there. Um, you know, talking about, you know, his uh you know, him going toe to toe with MJ, you know, it's that kind of leads a little bit to um my favorite memory of Kobe. And it wasn't necessarily a game or anything, but it was in, it was in 2010. Um, you know, y'all know that it's, it's, it's the no flinch against mm-hmm. Matt Barnes um, where he's, he's standing there and uh, you know, he kind of does a little pump fake and Kobe doesn't even flinch. And, you know, there's, there's up some, to some debate if he was right in front of him or if he pump faked it a little bit to his right. But, the point is, though, and especially in 2010, you're getting to the NBA where if you look at somebody the wrong way, they flop and they go into convulsions, you know, and it's a technical foul. For somebody to do something like that, he could have easily, you know, pulled a flop or threw up his hands and looked at the ref and cried and said, oh, oh, but that's that's not what he did. You know, that's – to me, that's like the perfect <laughs> – image of Kobe just standing there stone cold. I thought that was, that was pretty cool. All right. Um, we're going to wrap this up here with our closing arguments and Rudd, I'm going to let you start. Give me your closing argument for Kobe number eight. We can look at numbers and I'll throw out some numbers more points, more rebounds, more steals, more blocks, better field goal percentage, better three-point percentage, better team winning percentage, all number eight over number 24. Now, obviously, there are factors into that. He did play more games as eight and 24, not a lot more, but more. Um, Of course, the percentages were better except free throws. Uh, I believe free throws as number eight, he was 83.4%. And as number 24, he was 84%. Uh, So he was six tenths of a percent better at free throws in the back half of his career. But there are a lot of things that go there. There there are numbers. And don't get me wrong. It depends on how we look at it. If we look on the Wiley veteran, the stone cold, uh, the leader, the adult version, the mental game, the basketball IQ genius, that's all 24. I won't argue that. 
But if we're talking about the better athlete, obviously it's going to be when he's younger. If you want to talk about the phenom, that was him in the number eight. That was him right there alongside Shaq for those three peats, although he's not getting near the credit Shaq got for those championships. That's him. This one kind of lead the back end of eight and the beginning of 24. That's Shaq leaving and Kobe really saying, I'm going to show you this is my team and this is my dadgum league uh, at the time. That started with the number eight. Really the best Kobe was those years where the physical side met the mental side right there in the middle. Uh, unfortunately, he had no teammates in that era of his career. Um, but the thing is, number 24 was great. Number 24 built on what number eight did. But number eight was just the reason people love Kobe or hate Kobe. Those opinions formed in the years where he was wearing number eight. Uh, not a lot of opinions changed when he became 24. Uh, unfortunately, I look at it now, like I said, I'm a Celtics fan. I hated Kobe Bryant. I look back on it in retrospect with 2020 vision, and I respect the heck out of everything he did. But especially when he was that eight and he was that arrogant little guy, because the thing is, he was more, he got some of that Phil Jackson zen. It finally sunk in in the 24, but he was a brash, cocky, kind of douchebag as the number eight, but he backed it up unlike anybody ever has other than maybe a Michael Jordan. Um, people will always make that comparison. Is it MJ? Is it Kobe? Is it LeBron? I think all of us would agree probably MJ I think amongst this three here we're going to say MJ and I think amongst this three here at this point we're all going to put LeBron third uh, although he's still playing he could cl still climb that ladder uh, in our eyes and in a lot of people's eyes but I think the closest to ever being what MJ was as far as being dominant and being the best on the court and being that phenom that drew, you had to watch him was when he was wearing that number eight. Elrod, closing statement. Wrap us up here. Um, why is 24 better than number eight? You know, I, I heard a lot of mention about Michael Jordan and Rod's closing. You know, Kobe Bryant, the eight. The knock on eight was, well, he had Shaq. You cannot have – let's say you don't have the 24 Kobe. Let's just say it got cut off. You don't have a serious discussion comparing <laughs> him to Jordan because of this aspect alone. He was not the main franchise in his own right as eight. It was him and Shaq. They, they were – peanut butter and jelly, but he was not the main guy like Jordan was with the Bulls. The reason why 24 is better than eight is this. Later on, 
I blame Rut Celtics for this. You have this convergence of the big three. He wanted he wanted all the he wanted all these big players to play on the same team. He wanted Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett. Well, guess what? Kobe probably should have beat him twice, but he didn't beat him once. He beat him with Pal Gasol and a bunch of no names. He took all three of them down in 08. He probably should have beat him in 07 as well. He took down, he was consistently, if you look at the emergence of LeBron James, the emergence of these super teams, he was still playing great basketball. His stats were there later on in his career. Later on in his career, he was basically playing on one leg. He was putting up these stats on one leg because his Achilles was gone. So he's putting up comparable stats on one leg. This is like Tiger at Torrey Pines. There's a lot of similarities between them two. We'll get in that in another episode. But as 24, he became the Los Angeles Lakers. He became Magic Johnson. He became the face of the franchise, and he brought two titles to L.A., him doing that is more impressive than him winning three with Shaq in those in those early years. And those and if you look at the three the three people the Lakers had, there was a huge vacuum in the NBA after Jordan left. You had a lot of teams that were trying to get that medal. Later on, uh, those Laker teams in, in the in the second run as twenty four, you had a lot more parity in the NBA. You had you had the super teams. You and Kobe took him down. Kobe took the Celtics down. So I I get that that he doesn't get enough credit as eight. But my argument is this: he doesn't get enough credit as twenty four for what he did for for coming back from basically retirement. He considered retirement. He he wanted to walk away. He came back stronger. He came back more mentally tough, and he won an Oscar. Come on, it's 24. He won an Oscar. That that should put me over the top right there. He was after 24 when he won a, uh, an Oscar. He doesn't well, well, he retired as 24. He won the Oscar. So, that 24 gets <laughs> the Oscar. All right. A couple of things to address. I've got a couple of points to hand out. Right gets one point for a Marshawn Lynch reference. I enjoyed that. Rudd also got a plus one point for a Penny Hardaway reference. Then oh. Rudd got a minus one point for a Penny Hardaway reference because at first I was excited, and then it reminded me that they never won a championship because it was me. So that came out to one point. Um, the way I look at it, I think it's fair to say that Kobe in the number eight jersey was – more athletic, more electrifying. He was that phenom. You know, he was, you know, like, oh, you know, who's this guy? Um, he was the must-see TV. He was also more cocky. Um, then when you look at the Kobe in the 24 jersey, you know, that's where you talk about that it was, you know, it was finally his team, and it was his time to, you know, show what he could do um, for the franchise as him, the sole person of the franchise. And he really carried him. I think that him getting the, the two championships without Shaq really cemented his legacy because, you know, it's tough to win a one championship. You know, look at look at the, the names that rattled off, you know, that 
didn't get that championship there, um, at least with Shaq. Um, so I think, you know, if, if Kobe doesn't win those two and those, and of course he got the two finals MVPs, you know, there would be the knock that, oh, Kobe was a great player, but he couldn't do it by himself. So I think that was huge for Kobe and huge for basketball for him to do that. If you try to go through stat by stat, it's too close. Um, you know, games played is close. Points per game is close. All through, I'm not going to go through all of them, but they're, they're neck and neck. They really are. And you can look at, okay, yeah, he got one more ring earlier in his career, but he also got his MVP later in his career. So that, to me, kind of washes out, too. Um, one thing that I think of is Kobe himself once said that Kobe number eight and Kobe 24 are two different people, which makes, you know, at first it didn't make sense, but then it does make sense. He, uh, he said in an interview that um, – Kobe number eight was a headhunter. He was out to um, prove himself, you know, that he belonged. And um, then he says that number 24, you know, hit that certain maturity level. And it was less about him being dominant. It wasn't about the domination. It was more about how can I help others grow? What can I do? to uh, elevate my team and my teammates. Um, it boils down to me is, you know, was Kobe better for basketball and for the world in a number eight jersey or was Kobe better for basketball and the world in a 24 jersey? And I tend to lean that he was better for basketball and the world in a 24 jersey just because he was an ambassador for the sport and everything off the feet, off the court, you know, er, what he meant for basketball, what he meant as a, uh, a role model. You definitely saw that maturity in him turning his life in his career and his life around. So for me, I'm going to have to go by a hair number 24. Elrod, you've convinced me. That Kobe 24 is slightly better than Kobe number eight. But he, right. he, he didn't have hair as 24. He was bald. <laughs> it's true. We, we should have debated, you know, the the little mini fro or the the, the slick bald head. Like I tend I tend to like the bald headed look personally. I'm trying to I'm trying to pull it off myself. Kobe. Elrod, victory speech. One word. I just said it. Kobe! Legend. Well, I have to say, with your decision, Bennett, I am – I'm cool with it. It's, it's, Kobe's Kobe. Um, they're, like I said, you split him into number eight and number 24. I think they're both Hall of Famers. Uh, they're both all-time greats. Yet they were two different people. Um, but I, obviously it's – Eight was the physically gifted one that was trying to prove himself. 24 was the mature guy that was the wily veteran that still had some of the physical skills he had at eight. Obviously, those declined as he went alone because Father Time is undefeated uh, and always will be. Uh, but either way, 
I, I wasn't going to argue. I was going to be glad to win. I'm okay with the loss. I am more not like Kobe at all. Eight or 24, he was never okay with the loss. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but that will wrap us up for this week, guys. We hope you all enjoyed our kind of little tribute here uh, to the one uh, Kobe Bryant, who, like we mentioned, uh, sadly, a year ago this week, uh, we lost in uh, a shocking, shocking, uh, untimely uh, passing that we talked about a little bit on our New Year's show uh, a few weeks ago. Um, but uh, Mamba out. So, uh, but be sure, guys, you are joining us next week. Because guess what? For once, I actually know what we're talking about next week, and I can pitch it. Next week, it is uh, – I think there's a little football game going on uh, next week. Next week is Super Bowl week. Uh, and in the spirit of some – a couple episodes we've done the last few weeks, we're going to have a draft episode like two weeks ago, and we're going to talk about fictional characters like we did last week. Uh, we're doing a draft of the best football players uh, from both TV and film. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. We, I think we all enjoy doing the draft episodes. Uh, so that's going to be fun to break down uh, and look at. Uh, so I hope you guys will join us for that. We hope you guys will join us for all of our episodes every single week. We hope you'll follow us on all of our socials. Keep up with what we're doing. We hope you'll tell your friends about us uh, and have them check us out as well. Uh, gentlemen, any parting words? I think you said it best, Rod. I think it's for the for tomorrow and for the sake of what we've had this year, Mamba out. R.I.P. to Kobe. Absolutely. Um, so, guys, be sure you come back next week for our fictional football draft. Um, we'll get you ready for the Super Bowl. We'll probably do a little short recap of that show me and Bennett did a while back when Elrod had the COVID, uh, mm. we threw something together and gave a uh, NFL preview. We might have to go back and see uh, who looked the smartest between the two of us. Bet it ain't good. It's probably not, because I don't remember what the picks were. I'll have to go back and look at them, but uh, we'll see who came out on that. Uh, we hope you'll join us to see who that is. For Mr. Bennett, for Mr. Elrod, I'm Andy Rutherford. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.